Hey guys, welcome to the Unshakable Habits Podcast, where we help men to prioritize your physical and mental well-being. I'm your host, National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach, Stephen Box. And this week I have with me Mike O'Connor from The Actualized Self, a company that specializes in career and personal performance. And Mike is someone who has a background working at a university, recruiting some of the top talent in the world. And he has this really unique approach, something that I don't think I talk enough about on the podcast. And that's why I wanted to have Mike on, where he has a program called 15 Days to a Better You. Now, for those of you who have been listening for a while, 15 Days to a Better You may sound completely contradictory to what I normally talk about. Because you guys hear we talk a lot about small steps, small habits, sustainability, all that kind of stuff. And the thing is, Mike talks about that too. And what my conversation with Mike highlighted for me was the need to talk more about this. Because I think a lot of people, when they hear small habits, when they hear small steps, when they hear those kind of things, what they think automatically is slow results. Couldn't even think there for a second. But they think slow results. And that's not necessarily true. Because the reality is you can sometimes get faster results by taking smaller steps, but it's about taking the right steps. And that's really where the conversation between me and Mike goes this week is on how to take the right steps. And we're not just going to talk about this at a high level. We get really practical with giving you a lot of tips for how to track things, how to implement these things into your life. And Mike, as a bonus, even throws in some conversation for those of you who might be out there in the job market on how to stand out in the interview process. So for those of you looking for new employment, you might find that part particularly exciting. But even if you're not looking for a job right now, there is going to be a ton of value for you in this episode. I hope you guys enjoy it and we'll see you back in 60 seconds. Are you ready to break free from your old habits and create a better life for yourself and those around you? If so, welcome to Unshakable Habits, the podcast dedicated to helping men be better husbands, fathers, and leaders by prioritizing their physical and mental well-being. Each week, we'll look at health from a 360-degree perspective with inspiring stories and practical strategies for building unshakable habits that'll transform your life. Join Stephen Box, a board-certified health and wellness coach, and let's change the world together, one habit at a time. Allow me to introduce you to Mike O'Connor, who is the founder of The Actualized Self, or Self-Actualized. Self-Actualized? Yeah, you, you got it. Yeah, I, I will should look at my notes, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, thanks for having me, Steve. It's great to be with you. Yeah, man, I appreciate you being here today. So, so talk to me a little bit, Mike, about this idea of the 15 days to a better you. Yeah, well, thanks, thanks again, and it's great. It's great to be with you today. What, what, one of the things I noticed when I was working at, I was the director of career discovery at Williams College, and really great school. We competed with Ivy League schools for for our students, and just we're really fortunate to like recruit a lot of the best and brightest. And there were so many students that I worked with that were just one or two steps away of really sort of stepping into. Right, they were feeling this sort of deep sense of imposter syndrome. Their their confidence was shaken for for different reasons. And my wife, who's a psychologist, and I would have these like longer conversations around clients and friends and different people that we have in our in our life that were just short of really sort of like finding that happiness or that contentment or whatever it was to sort of really sort of get to the next level, or that we're dealing with real anxiety. And that weren't able to sort of perform in an interview setting or whatever it is. So what I wanted to really sort of create is how do we sort of recalibrate somebody's floor? I think we all talk about potential a lot, right? And we all talk about, wow, my ceiling's here or, or you know, if this person could, whatever, could they, you know, could they achieve X or, or Y? And all of us, I think, have this incredible, incredible potential. 
And that's great, right? But how do we really sort of raise that floor? So what I wanted to do was have somebody do a really sort of deep dive into their values, into the the version of themselves that they want to be, and then start to kind of reverse engineer from that to look at your practices, to look at your actual habits, to look at do deep time audits and social media audits and all these other sort of fairly extensive things and really sort of hold that up against the brand of yourself. How did the two really sort of juxtapose with each other? So that's when I sort of went on this journey of mapping together things that I've done through the coursework that I led at, at different schools and through a lot of sort of research on social sciences and behaviors and James Clear kind of stuff to really create something that would hopefully let people sort of walk away with a new operating system and new way of doing things and have a little bit more accountability for that. So, so the thing I love about this is, you know, I know you focus really a lot on career and personal development. And, you know, I think for a lot of guys out there, we tend to focus on just like one area at a time, right? So it's like, if I'm focused on my career advancement, then everything else kind of falls to the wayside, right? My health falls to the wayside, my relationships suffer, right? Everything else kind of falls off except for my career stuff. And then at some point, you know, I'm going like, oh man, I got to take care of my health. But then other things start to fall off because I'm focused on health, right? Oh man, now my marriage is in trouble. I got to focus on my marriage. And now our careers suffer and our health suffers, right? So it's like, for a lot of guys, it's it's really hard to figure out, like, how do I balance all this? How do I take all of this in? And, you know, what I love about this framework that you're talking about here is it can be applied to career and personal development, but it can also be applied to your health. It can be applied to your marriage. It can be applied to your relationship with your kids if you if you have kids, right? So the concepts of what we're talking about are universal, right? It's just the specific application of how we're, how we're applying them. That's, that's really well said. I think one thing that we do as males and, and you and I talked about this briefly before was we, we solve for X right in, in our life. And I think we've, we've sort of evolved to some degree to really like think about the food source and how am I going to sort of, how am I going to make sure I'm providing for family or, if there's this problem or there's this challenge or there's this goal, I'm going to think about the step that I need to do to get there and then go do it. We can focus really well on one thing. But to your point, we do that at the expense of so many other things. And when we do that, when we get out of balance with ourselves, then we know we have this sort of trickle down effect, right? It's like you don't sleep well one night and you're not eating as well the next day, right? You're not eating as well. You're going to feel a little bit more sluggish. And then that really important call that you have, all of a sudden you just don't show up as your best self because you're just not focused, right? So what I wanted to do was sort of create something. I think some different social scientists and people that are sort of like working on these different systems for doing that and sort of weave them together in a way for us to sort of look at almost like a diagnostic, like a dashboard of like, you know, how's my health? How's my financial health? What am I doing in my career? What are these different aspects that I have? And then what are the gauges that I have? And when you, when you do that deep analysis and audit, and then you sort of compare that to how you're really showing up, you can really sort of then do the thing that I think males do well, which is software X. Yeah. And I think you just kind of hit on something super important here, right? <clears throat> it's this idea of, you know, imagine that you're going on a trip and you know where you want to go, right? You know what you want to do when you get there and everything else. That's that's that thing you were talking about, about, you know, establishing your values, figuring out what's important to you, right? I mean, that's, if you don't know where you're going, then there's no address to put in the GPS, right? So we have to get clear on where we're going first. But at the same time, I think for a lot of guys, it's, we start with goals, Right. But we don't really know why we're setting that goal. We have, we've missed the vision part of it, right? So maybe we know we want to go across the country, but we're not sure exactly what city we're going to end up in or what we're going to do when we get there or why we want to go there. We just know that that's where we're going to go. And, you know, so you need that, that vision part. But at the same time, I think even if we've gotten that part, even if we understand all those things, another common mistake I see is that we don't take the time to take the assessment of where we are now. And that's the equivalent of, 
you know, if your GPS doesn't have a signal and it doesn't know where you are, it doesn't matter if you put in a destination. It doesn't know how to start getting you there because it can't see where you are now. So if you can't see where you are right now, you're, you're lost. That's a really great point, right? It, it's like you can you can have that long-term vision and you can have those different bits, but if you don't have an honest assessment of where you're sort of sitting or a way to really sort of like assess that or test that, then you're, I think, I wouldn't say dead in the water, right? But you're gonna you're gonna really sort of tread and struggle a, a bit. And I think there's this sort of like reflective component of looking a little bit more inward and asking those uncomfortable questions and those kind of things that I think as males we're not necessarily as good at. And this is something that I found myself sort of struggling with quite a bit in life too. And for me, it's almost this like I need to sort of like go through some level of like or discomfort and just sort of like have this sort of gut feeling about like what am I doing right like rather than I think in over time I've learned to sort of close the gap of like what are the questions that I can ask earlier to sort of so, so I'm not there or what's the sort of gut checks that I can do to really sort of self-assess about okay here's the thing that you're in right now here's the thing that you're struggling with and then really sort of recalibrate on a mission and vision and you know I, I think when when people think about what's my mission vision or what am I sort of doing long-term there's, I don't think we talk enough about as men that like, that's something that can change, right? Your vision at 20 years old shouldn't be what your vision is at 30. You have a completely different frame of reference. Right. And, and that's going to change very much when you're 40, right. Or 50. And, and that's a good thing. And that's a healthy thing. And that's, that's a, you know, that's you evolving and sort of stepping into yourself and being a very different person. So by doing this sort of deep dive exercises of really sort of figuring out this orienting, who, where am I right now to your point and where do I want to go? You have the GPS, right? And, and you have the systems and that pain and discomfort and all of those roadblocks and obstacles and all of that stuff, we know we're going to hit by becomes a lot easier to sort of get through because you have a purpose behind it yep yeah and that i love the fact that you brought this up because i think this is something that a lot of us struggled with over the years i know even me personally i I actually used to take a sense of pride and being able to say you know i'm the same person that i've always been i i haven't changed who i am because at some point I, I had this wake up call and I went, wait, and that's not a good thing. Right? Like I I shouldn't still be the same person I was when I was 20. That's 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 horrible, right? Like it's good that maybe some of my foundational beliefs, some of my principles are still in place, right? I mean, hopefully I've done a good job of creating solid principles in my life that are still the same, but Hopefully I'm a better communicator. Hopefully I have better control of my emotions. Hopefully I'm in better shape physically. Hopefully I'm a better partner to to my wife. Hopefully I'm a better, you know, leader, you know, all these different things. Hopefully I've developed skills and I'm not the same person anymore. Completely. Yeah. I, I think what happens when you, when you do that and when you do that sort of systematic audit and and you think about yourself in a different capacity, you really create that. It's kind of like you're you're sort of stepping up the staircase, right? You're creating a new floor for yourself. And then you're looking at where you want to go next and and sort of starting to sort of like, you know, I don't like the word manifest, right? But you're starting to sort of speak that existence a little bit. And you're and you're using the same thing I think males do well, which is okay, here's where I want to go. Here's the parameters I need to control for. Here's the steps that I really need to 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 go and do that and i've done i've done the same thing at different points right like oh i'm you know i'm i'm so similar or i'm this i'm the same kind of person and i think there's there's values that people i think naturally have from upbringing and that are inherent to them that aren't necessarily fixed but but evolve but but there's some yeah. some patterns that i think that stay the same um but you're absolutely right like you want to level up on the person that you are and and really sort of fit that to the the life that you currently have and want to have yeah yeah the thing i i think is so important for people to kind of see here is it's recognizing your strengths but also recognizing your weaknesses right and, and as you said for a lot of men out there problem solving is a strength right i mean that is something that just 
generally speaking, is a common trait for a lot of guys, right? We are very good at problem solving. But the issue is that we aren't necessarily all great at seeing the big picture. And so the problems that we're solving are so small in the grand scheme of things, right? They might feel big in the moment, uh, but they're small in the grand scheme of things. And then we don't understand why we keep solving problems that things don't get better. Yeah, that's really well said. And it's, and it's hard sometimes, right, to see this sort of bigger picture about what is what is the thing that I'm really sort of trying to control for and do that that really sort of gets me to, to where I, I want to go. And one thing that I'm guilty of is like, I'm a big to-do list person and like, I'm, I'm constantly sort of like writing down what I need to do. And then just like, I'm good at just focusing there. Right. And I get that little like dopamine stack every time I cross the thing off the list or you know, like whatever it is. But what I've had to do with my system and, I've, and I have this in the course, cause I just find it pretty helpful. But I found this thing from white combinator that essentially took your, the tasks that you have, but then it puts them in a, a three column spreadsheet where it's just like, okay, tasks, impact, and then complexity. And when you start to really sort of control for what's the impact of this specific thing and what's the complexity of it, when you start with things that are high impact and low complexity, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant to use the word game changer, but it's, it's really helpful because you're almost sort of doing this like daily 80 20 analysis and you're doing some of the things that you talked about earlier steven which is like you're 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 tapping into really sort of where you are and where you want to go and and it forces you to really sort of really go is this really sort of useful and is this something that i want to do like i have this instinct to just like go all the time and to sort of just try to head head down charge into the next problem and try to knock down whatever is in front of me through my male DNA. And that's not always the best thing. Sometimes you need to like to think and recalibrate a little bit and be like, okay, like rather than playing lead blocker right now, maybe step back and see the the broader field. And, and for me, the the simple task of like that oriented principle is like, okay, we've got we've got your task. Great. You know how to do that really well. But what's the impact and what's the complexity? And how are you really using your time to get what you need to be done? Help me step back a bit. Yeah, and, and I love, <clears throat> like, I was looking over your, your course here, right? And the thing I love, and just looking at your curriculum, is, first of all, you start, like, even before day one, right? Just, like, on the getting started section, one of the things that you have on there is, like, showing up every day. And, and I love that because I think that is something that a lot of people struggle with, right? It's, I have time for this today. So I'm going to focus on this today. But then tomorrow when seven other things come up that I want to prioritize, I'm going to let this go. And you cannot achieve anything in life until it becomes a regular part of your routine. Right. Yeah. That's like, that's so, so well said. And like what I've had to do for myself over time and, and what I've tried to sort of like build in for people and you, you talk about habits a lot is, is sort of just helping people habituate the new normal. And for me, like I'm a, I'm a big systems person that if you, if, if I can just sort of slowly over time evolve my system to just be like, here are the five things that are non-negotiable that I'm doing every single day. Um, yes. And and, you know, I've, I've tried to really sort of embed this into the course about like, you're going to get in the habit of really sort of doing this and being consistent with it. But if you, if I, for instance, for me, it's just like, okay, every single day I have to do writing and that's a non-negotiable. I have to do it. And I have specific sort of KPIs that are sort of set out for that and, and different places that it needs to go, but it needs to sort of happen. And the blocks and if I don't do that, then I'm not going to sort of reward myself with, you know, with the different things that I have that, but like, you have to build these, these to checklists, and then you have to build in, I think some positive reinforcing mechanisms to reward yourself for the good things that you're already doing. And that looks very different for everybody. And, and you and I were having this really great conversation beforehand about when we're most productive and how that works. But, you know, you, you have to have systems to really sort of keep yourself focused because the reality is like life is just going to get in the way. You're going to have things pop up. And a lot of them are going to be completely outside of your control. So what's the new baseline? What's the new floor you create for yourself to know? 
here's my daily non-negotiables. And if I do these, it's going to get me towards. Yeah. And, and, and one thing that I, I just want to kind of point out to people here, and, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this as well, is don't try to change everything at once, right? It's it's impossible. Like you can't, you know, do this whole like thing where like, hey, you know what? Suddenly I'm going to start waking up two hours earlier than normal. I'm going to, you know, do a workout first thing in the morning. I'm going to start, you know, fixing breakfast at home when you normally stop to get something to eat. And, you know, then when I get to work, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And all of a sudden you're trying to make seven changes. And it's, you might pull it off for a couple of days, right? But it's not sustainable. No, no, it's, you know, James Clear talks about this in his book, right? Atomic Habits, which is, I, I think, one of those books I just find myself, you know, encouraging people to read more and more. But he talks about habit stacking, right? And and the triggers associated with that. And you're exactly right. Like the, with the people I know that are sort of having, that are feeling that they're stuck or whatever, right? And they're just, they're not feeling great about, you know, their, their life trajectory, whatever. The three things I tell them sort of to do, and I don't have them sort of do it all at once, but I'm like, okay, you're feeling stressed, you're feeling anxious. When you get to work in the morning, spend five minutes. You have five extra minutes, great. Spend five minutes just jotting everything down and just do a complete brain dump of everything that you're doing. All right. And just sort of releasing that about getting your monkey mind on paper, just letting it go. It's great. Okay. Once you've done that, what we're going to do is we're going to sort of, we're going to start to note things that you're grateful for. Again, we're not talking big changes. We're talking five minutes of, of brain dumping that you're going to spend maybe even three to four minutes, just writing a few things that you're grateful for, whatever comes to mind, yep. forcing yourself to think on that, right? Great. You do that and you have those two pieces and it's just like, okay, let's, let's, put in a little bit of like breathing technique, right? Or like a, a simple, you know, I know meditation has different connotations, but like some type of mindfulness, maybe just sitting quietly for a little bit. Maybe it's a longer walk or whatever, right? But like you start to sort of like layer in these behaviors. And once people get habituated to doing it, they, they see that positive benefit, they have that positive feedback loop, then you can really start to layer on more stuff. And, and I, but you're exactly right. If you try to sort of like force dive everything sort of into, you know, it's the thing all at once, it becomes really, really tricky. You know, another real thing that I really like that I've just personally found helpful is, but when you change your environment or you make like small tweaks to, to that, and you have different triggers that can really sort of help, help quite a, quite a bit too. And like a really sort of small example, but I've got in my office here, I've got like all sorts of different exercise equipment that I leave strategically in different places that like, as I'm sort of going through the day, it's just really easy for me to, or I'd almost say it's actually harder to just sort of see the thing and be like, okay, well I can do a little bit right now. Yes. But as you start to build these things in organically to your, you know, to your life, you, rather than trying to make the big change, you, you start to see this ramp effect over time. Yeah. So one thing you just touched on there is this idea of trigger workouts, right? Which is something that I teach. And it's this idea that you just put things literally, like you just said, in your environment where when you see them, it triggers that thought of, hey, you know, at two minutes right now, let me knock out a couple of curls or a couple of squats or whatever, right? Maybe you got a kettlebell sitting next to you and you just pick it up and do a couple of, you know, squats or some kettlebell swings or something, right? It's, it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be a huge workout. It's just kind of that mental model. But one thing that I've actually seen happen with people, and this goes back to our earlier point you made, is after a while, you become blind to that object, right? It's just in there, but you start to ignore it. Unless you have a system in place that forces you to use it, right? And that's, that's where these things, like, I think a lot of times we get, you know, messed up. We hear these ideas, we're like, that sounds like a great idea, and it works for a week, and then it stops working, and it's because we never put a system around. Yeah, that makes, that makes a ton of sense. And, like, for me, I have to constantly sort of switch up what my system is. And I'm, I'm a big systems guy, like, like you, right? So it's like, I, but I have to constantly sort of reinvent that, because, to your point, I just start to ignore it at some point, right? So the new thing I have, just because it sort of works with the current schedule, it's just like, I need to either A, go to the gym, B, 
complete this, like it's for me, it's like the simple diagnostic of every day is 30 sets, right? It just needs to be 30 sets of something. And that can be push-ups, squats, blah, 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 right? Whatever, right? But it's like, it's 30 sets or it's like a three mile run. And then there's different calibrations there, right? If I did one mile and I did 20 sets, great, right? Yes. But I had to really sort of invent that around my current life. And I know that at some point, this system or this sort of diagnostic I have, like, I won't like as much. So I'll have to sort of like reinvent something else to sort of form fit what I have in my life. But that's, it's, it's a really good point you made of like, over time, the trigger becomes less, like you just don't have the same conditions or response that you would if you sort of, when you had it initially. So you have to reinvent how you're sort of using your environment, your system to really, you know, reach your goals. Yeah, you, you just kind of hit on this and, and I love, because this is actually one of the things that I teach that's a little bit different from what most of is out there, right? Even look at like James Clear, you know, a lot of the stuff that he teaches in his book is very rigid, right? It's like, you do this, you do this, it's step A, step B, step C, right? And I think it's easy to fall into that trap when you're writing a book, right? Because in a book, people expect you to give them the exact steps to take. And so it's very easy to fall into that trap. But to me, your systems have to be flexible. If they are not flexible, they will fail because every single system has a pressure point at which it will break. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, and kind of to the point that we were both making earlier, like things are going to pop up right you're gonna have a loved one die you're gonna you're gonna absolutely have days that for whatever reason you can't get to the gym right or you know you can't hit this sort of this daily goal that you have for x or if you're taking the course you might have like legitimate life circumstances like okay i have to, I have to put an hour and 10 minutes into this today like i'm not gonna have that and, and i think the the thing that I that I sort of like always sort of fall back on for me is just like it's not going to happen two days in a row, right? That, I, yeah, I might I might miss the gym or I might miss a workout or you know something might happen with one of my daughters that I need to sort of go do X and this client meeting sort of in the way of this or or whatever, but I'm not going to miss that second day and that's just the rule and the thing that I've had for myself to sort of just have the the fallback from from what I know is going to happen. But you're right. The systems have to be, they have to have a degree of flexibility with them because over time, you know, you're just going to have things pop up and you're going to just become less, the word, like a rigid to sort of the, the thing that's not going to sort of be as effective. So if you're not reinventing the system, you have to have some degree of like flexibility. And I think. Yeah. And, and I think this idea of, of reinventing your systems and making these changes, which you've touched on in a couple of different ways already, is important to recognize that it's not just a matter of you get bored or that circumstances around you change, but internally we change, right? As we grow, our systems need to grow with us. Yeah, they, they have to. They have to really sort of evolve. And you know, the, the version of you like five years ago is very different than the version of yourself that you, that you are now. And, and one of the other reasons that I sort of really sort of landed on this course, and I, I was on this track professionally to be a college president and feeling, feeling pretty, pretty good about that, where I got very long story short, I got promoted in a couple of roles, stepped into a dean role, and then sort of stepped into essentially sort of a role in the president's office where I got to sort of see behind the mechanisms and works with this incredible woman leader, really, really bright and such a great mentor and all of these different types of things. And I was on this track for like a very long time and planning my day and my life and, and the content I was consuming and all these other things to be like, okay, where are the, where are the big gaps that we have in this industry? And what are the things that I can bring that are, that are competitive advantage that I value that do all these different types of things. But what happened for me personally was I was just, I hit this point where kind of to the points that we were, were both making earlier, like my, my values just weren't mapping to the places that I was in working in or the industries that I wanted to sort of be in. And, and I really value autonomy and, and being able to create and add value in ways that sort of make sense for me. Whereas not that that's not allowed at all in terms of the industry, but it for me, it was just not 
jiving with the long-term vision of what I needed, what I was actually sort of doing in my professional life. So I knew I was just like, okay, you've been teaching this for a long time and you felt a lot of students really sort of recalibrate and find things that are of meaning to them. You have to do this for yourself. <laughs> and, and if you're not doing it for yourself and you're not really li living with this integrity, you know that that's just going to eat at you and it's going to really sort of bother you. So yeah, I had to really sort of reinvent a lot of pieces of identity and and as much as I was sort of like I think tried to be detached from ego and all of the different types of things there was a really core piece of my identity that was so that was connected to my job and I knew that I had to really sort of rethink who this was and who I wanted to be and do it in a way that sort of served the broader values that I have of how I want to sort of serve and help people but it's it's tough. It's it definitely, you know, I think it's a humbling experience to go through and not easy to really sort of rethink and honestly assess where you are, where you want to go, and then reverse engineer the steps that you're actually taking to, to see if those are fitting or not. It could be, a, I think, a humbling process. And a, yeah, I think humbling is probably the best word. Yeah, I, I think it, it takes a lot, right? And that's why, you know, I encourage people, you know, take a course like yours or get coaching with somebody like me because what that person can help you do what that other person can help you do is they can ask the questions right they can help you start to get the answers to these things they can help you we talked about this a little bit before we started recording this idea that you know you get really focused in on one specific thing and you can't see the bigger picture you can't see everything around you Right. And so going through a course like yours or getting coaching is really like imagine that you're in a museum and you're staring at a picture and you are so locked in on this picture that you can't see all the other art around you. And what this outside help does is it helps you to take a step back and realize there's an entire wall <laughs> with pictures. One one exercise that I love that just something you said just trigger triggered it in my mind. But I, I found this like so useful and I started doing it in a in a few classes that I taught. It's called What's My Superpower? Right. And there's something about having not you self assessing necessarily, but the power of asking other people to tell you what is the thing that I'm really uniquely good at. And there's something about other people's feedback on that process that just puts a few lights off for you. It just says like, huh, okay. Because the things yeah. that you, that just come easy to you, that are natural, you undervalue those relative to other people. Whereas like the mentors, the friends, the people that really know you, the work colleague that you worked really closely on, they lean on that superpower. And, and when yeah. you ask them for that help, they're happy to give it and sort of tell you, but it, it does something where it's like you you see that and then like you start to really connect that with like, okay, well, what does the world need, right? Or, or what, how is this really sort of applied to, to, you know, different industries or this, this, you know, this entrepreneurial idea I have. And when you start to kind of connect those dots, it's really sort of freeing and unlocking for the person that you could potentially be. Because you're just sort of seeing yourself in a completely different context than, you know, than you, you might and, and undervalued and I think skills that are really sort of unique. Yeah, there's actually a, excuse me, a book that I love. It's called Insight. It's by uh, Tasha Urich. Hopefully I'm learning correctly. Uh, and, and it's it's called Insight. Why we're not self as self-aware as we think, right? And she kind of touches on a lot of this stuff where like, we so severely un undervalue our own skills while completely overestimating our ability to do so. It's fascinating. Yeah, I so I I taught so I, I did a lot of like with with interviewing and like the the school I worked at. We had one of the most robust employer networks of any small school school in the country. So we had like. 150, 160 companies that were actually coming onto campus every year and, and actively recruiting. So in the basement of the building that I was in, it was, it was kind of cool to meet all different types of employers from all different types of industries. They're just walking around. You have these informal conversations with them. And what I learned is like the, you know, the best employers and, you know, we, we all know the names and 
the the biggest companies and the, the places that recruit most students, the the amazing skilled interviewers that they had, despite the fact that they had these like very well thought out questions that mapped very specifically to the types of person that they were seeking that fed into their funnels in terms of like who they're recruiting, blah, blah, blah. Like all that was thought through. But human biases still played such a role in terms of like how they were showing up in the interviews. And even the best places, the best people, the best interviewers and the most sort of like the the humble, like incredible sort of people that they were, everybody has biases, right? And little tiny things that you have, like first impressions are forming in like all of seven seconds, right? And, and similar enough, like the biases that you have around yourself, right? And, and like and how you're showing up to like a to professional interaction like that. And like the imposter syndrome that you're feeling that like, Sometimes it's kind of coming through, right? And because you're undervaluing to the point you made and uh, around that book, you're undervaluing the, the things that you have yeah. and undervaluing your ability to really sort of assess it. But it's it's fascinating the role of that biases play it, in this sort of space because the most brilliant people I've ever seen and worked with, the most accomplished people, everybody has biases. And, and it's really hard to really sort of step outside that and you're never going to sort of like work outside the boundary of those those biases, but you can learn to sort of work with them, and uh, and I think to some degree be be more self aware. Yeah, yeah. You you we've mentioned a couple times the importance of, of setting those values and kind of understanding. And I wanted to kind of create this tie in because you just kind of brought up a very good point that happens right with people go to do interviews, and there's that that nervousness that you know, fear of what if I'm not good enough and what if they see that, right? So we work extra hard to make a great first impression. And so, you know, you go and, and you dress the part and you try to say the right words and you try to answer questions in the way that you've been taught is the best way to answer questions. But the thing is, if those things you're doing are not in alignment with who you are, you're going to feel like an imposter. Yeah. Incredibly well said. You're exactly right. And I think like good interviewing is, I think, connecting the real to like what the person wants to hear. Right. Because I, like, I think we could also to be asked, there is a performative aspect of it. Right. And it is, it is straight competition, like for sure. Right. But you know, the first question that you're going to get in any kind of interview is some variation of why are you interested in this position? I can be asked in all sorts of different ways. Right. But if you're not able to talk about the you, the real you, and sort of map that to the them, and if you're not able to correct, create that connection, the interview is dead in the water right right away. And, and and that's a hard thing to do. It's and it's like it, and it takes a good amount of practice in different pieces. And just to sort of back up to what you were saying around sort of the anxiety and all that that pre pre stuff. One thing I work with my clients, and I, I find this just to be a really sort of helpful practice, is everybody knows you need to do a bunch of research and I've got some simple frameworks that people can use to really sort of tap into like what they should be looking at. But a simple, a simple framework of exercise, quick exercise, just getting that heart rate high, followed by some type of mindfulness, followed by, sounds funny, but a power pose to get your, your testosterone and your, your, your dopamine surgery and all that goes in a good direction, lowering that cortisol. And then Oh, like a, a pump up song, like a, a song that puts you in a good elevated mood. That rubric right there, I, I pulled that from Josh Whiteskin, who wrote this really incredible book. He does some great performance coaching. But that simple thing of like, okay, channel that stress, you know, get get that heart rate pumping, do some mindfulness, just quiet, get your thinking clear, and then you know, get your get do the power pose, get your cortisol and and everything sort of going in a good direction, followed by that song to put you in a good mood. Set does so much more it's like that like little simple thing does like as much as hours of research like and it, and it puts you in just a good position and it quiets your mind a little bit and you still want to do like all of that other stuff don't get me wrong but like that 20 minutes like has so much roi relative to like hours of extra research that people do and it just helps you show up and like just be present and be there and 
yeah, I love finding like little things like that to just help people sort of like perform and be themselves better and be a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, I, I like the the idea too of, you know, we talked about the importance of, of showing up as you, right? Which is to me, if you take the time to really understand these values and, and who you are as a person, when you're doing that research, ideally you're seeing things that this company stands for that align with your values. Otherwise, I'm not sure why you want this job, right? So hopefully there's an alignment there. And so now when you are sitting down to talk with this person, they ask that question of why do you want this position? You're now able to speak confidently about your values, what's important to you, and tie that back to the company. And if you just do that, you're already giving yourself a buffer for mistakes that you might make later on in the interview, right? Just because it's, because like you said, that first impression is fixed so fast that just talking about that and getting that person to be like, wow, this guy is really in alignment with what we want. They will miss other mistakes that you make later on because they've already convinced themselves that you're the right person. That's so well said. And it's so true. It's so, so true, right? Because in person, it's just, it's like these biases that we talked about before, right? First impression bias is a huge one. Like halo effect is another one, right? Where if the person's really good at one thing, they're good at other things. But those biases like work to your advantage to some degree. And I think people are afraid to say that, but it's true, right? So if you're able to sort of map that. And another thing that just, I think, shows that you're a really high value target, you know, a high value person, if, if you really spend the time to ask very, very thoughtful questions, questions that get at the, the, the soul of the organization or, or things that sort of get to the, the deeper understanding of, of mission, culture, values, like whatever, like if you're, if you're, if you're doing the research on the podcast that, that the CEO has done and you're taking notes and you're sort of using that to sort of inform thoughtful questions, or if you're going a little bit deeper with you know, finding content that's out there on company values or how they're showing up in the community or like all these different things that it map to who they say they are. It shows that you're really sort of like not just intellectually curious, but you're really thoughtful, right? And you're and you're being really sort of intentional about how does this map to who I am? And it puts that value pro- pro- proposition on them to really sort of have to sort of tell you who they are. Yes. But yeah, but those those things are all hard to do if you're trying to just like, perform and be the person that you think they are that they want to be and when when somebody's sort of in and i've been on the other side of this where i've done hr kind of consulting work it's like when you're looking at and assessing like a wide number of people it's hard to remember all the specificity or whatever but you remember how they made you feel right and you can you can suss out the people that don't really sort of seem to map to the vision that you have for you know for the organization whatever so to your point, right? Like you, you want to put the thought into like, how does this really sort of fit for me? And what's that bridge? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like somebody's listening to this interview right now and we've hit on so many different things in so many different ways that if I were to sit down right after this interview finishes and say, okay, tell me five points that Mike made today, you would struggle to make, to write down those five points. Right. I mean, unless you were taking notes and you're like cheating on it, right? You're glancing at the notes. But just like off the top of your head, you would struggle to give me those five points. But what you would do is that one that really hit hard for you, right? That one that really stuck to you. You'd be able to tell me that one like instantaneously. And that's the one that was the most important for you. Now, the other ones might be valuable. You might write them down. You might implement them at some point. But that one that was stuck with you. That's the one, right? And and that's kind of what you're saying here is that it's it's not really just about like remembering everything or getting every detail perfect. It's about the feeling, and feelings come from what what we value. Yeah, that's really well said. I I, I almost sort of look, and you just made me realize or, or think about this in a, in a in a different way, right? It's almost like a, a sort of a mental model right, that you're that you're sort of building on the fly about. You know, like who who am I in terms of like my identity for this organization, right? And and that's gonna 
changed to some degree, but the core you is, is you, right? So you're trying to sort of figure out like what this unique bridge or sort of unique thing or the aspects of my like, you know, hyper uniqueness that really sort of brand and connect me better to this sort of place it place itself. But yeah, that was an interesting connection that you just made for me because I hadn't really exactly thought of it like that before. Yeah, for for me, everything starts with the mindset. And, and honestly, I'm I'm actually, I'm I'm happy that I gave you an insight, but I'm I'm actually a little surprised because, and looking at your course, one of the things that I really love is, I mean, I already kind of gave you like the you know the one about showing up every day, but I think people would expect, okay, I'm only going to get 15 days to do this, so we're we're going to jump right into the deep end. You're going to start giving me, you know like actions to go take things I'm supposed to go do every day. And from what I can tell, just in looking at the curriculum, you don't really give someone that first like solid, like go do this specific physical thing until about day 12, right? Everything up to day 12 is all about setting your values, getting your mindset right. It's about taking an assessment of where you are. It's all about getting all the pieces in place, right? It's like the old, I don't know if it's real quote or not, but I've, it's always been attributed to Abraham Lincoln about, you know, if I had to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first two hours <laughs> sharpening the ax, right? And, and that's what you're doing here. You're helping people to spend those first 11 days sharpening the ax. So that day 12, when you start chopping the tree, that bad boy's coming down fast. Yeah, that's really well said. No, you're exactly right. You're doing a really sort of deep diagnostic. The first part of it is you're really sort of looking at, okay, who's the person I want to sort of be? What are those values? How am I sort of showing up in the world? But then there's a lot of audits, right? Where you're essentially sort of looking at like, okay, here's the brand that, here's the me, here's the brand that I want to start to put out in the world that's organic and true and all those different things. But then I'm really sort of looking at like, how am I, how am I sort of doing it? What are the audits? Like, how am I showing up? But I'm doing a deep dive on, on these different, these metrics that I have. And like, am I sort of going towards the goals that I say I, I want to have or not? And you're really doing that. But then what you're doing sort of, as you're sort of doing this sort of deeper diagnostic is you're starting to one sort of get in the habit of self-improvement and you're building that into that. You're doing this, this meditation or some, some type of mindfulness, I shouldn't say just meditation combined with, with some journaling and some real sort of task batching and, and, and trying to get better at your, your daily sort of 80, 20 analysis. But then you're really started starting to think of what are the things that I can do that I can build into my routine that have outsized ROI, how am I starting to hold myself accountable? Right. And as you do that and you go through it, you're going to then get prompts after the course ends two weeks later, Hey, where are you at with these types of things? What have you been doing? who's the, who's your accountability buddy? Or like, who's the person that you should check in to make sure that's happening? Maybe that's me, maybe that's somebody else, but you're building in something and you're trying this operating system. Uh, the first version 1.0 isn't going to be perfect. Right. And we know that, and it never is, but it's going to be better and it's going to be better than what you're currently doing. And the hope is that by recalibrating where your floor is and really sort of looking that and seeing the positive momentum of recalibrating that floor you're going to then sort of like 30 days later reassess again and make this a, a continual sort of practice yeah yeah i think you know and this is going back to what i said in the introduction right where this at, at the surface might seem different than what i normally teach right this idea of like you're going to do this in 15 days but you know, I'm I'm hoping that now people see that it's not about you're going to completely change everything and fix everything and have life be perfect in 15 days. It's taking that 15 days and using it as a launch pad for the next 60 days, 90 days, whatever, and being able to implement those things and make those changes. But those 15 days are what's going to give you the foundation you need to be successful in those changes. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and we're, we're trying to sort of get people up to, to some degree of base camp, right? I thought you're going to sort of, you're going to hike these foothills and you're going to do things that are, that are hard and challenging, really sort of make you think. 
so that you can sort of like look at and sort of reassess the bigger mountain that's in, that's in front of you. But you're exactly right, right? I mean, 15 days is a short period of time. It is, is it enough time to, it is enough time to sort of recalibrate and sort of pull together mission vision and start to pilot things. But in terms of long-term, 15 days is a drop in the bucket, right? So trying to reset your floor and then sort of think bigger picture about where you want to go and who you want to be and start going in that direction. Yeah. And, and I think something that people miss out on so often is it's really about that mental clarity, right? It's about having an understanding of what you actually want to do, because how often do we struggle to accomplish something for no other reason than we're just not sure how to start? Yeah, that's really well said. And yeah, that, that, that direction and then that clarity in all of those different pieces, you know, I kind of going back to the point that we made before about men, those are, I think those are tough, right? Yeah. And, and I think it, I, I don't know that I know I, I certainly wasn't raised to sort of like think about myself and think about like, what do I want or what do I sort of need or whatever? It's like, I'm putting, I'm, I'm thinking about my family. I'm thinking like, how am I providing for them? And what am I doing? how am I sort of doing the different things to sort of help them be their best self, right? So I think there's there's pieces of it that are uncomfortable and weird and, and just different. But there is this, I think, this sort of gut check reality that we all have. Like when things aren't, you know, even if you're not the most sort of inward looking person, and I know that I've, I've had to really sort of grow a lot of that, but there's this gut check piece about things just don't feel right sometimes. Or, or, you know, I, I, I'm doing all of these kind of things and it just doesn't, there's just something in my gut that's telling me this is like, this is something wrong. Yes. And that's really like the, the, a bit, I, I kind of created this thing to sort of solve challenges of, of people that I know and work with that, that were sort of having it, but I also did it for myself, right. About, you know, what's, what's, what are the things that help me sort of level up to get to where I want to go and, and force me to really sort of like look at the things that I don't necessarily want to look at and and stare those in the face because as soon as you confront them you know again we can kind of self rex a little bit more but we need to know what those what those pieces are and to the points that you've made a number of times it's like they're so interconnected and holistic that if if we're not doing them if we're not sort of serving ourselves then we're not going to show up for the people around us as, as best as we can yeah and, and I think you know, something that you just kind of highlighted there that I want to point out is it's not about what we do, right? It's about the interconnectivity. You know, I've seen so many guys, you know, who have, have come to me and had that realization of my entire existence to this point as an adult has been about my job. It's about my job titles, about the amount of money I bring in. And They've convinced themselves that the things that they're doing, chasing after these things, spending all these hours at work, dedicating themselves to to their job is all in the name of being a great provider, right? That's what they see themselves as. And they've missed the point that their their spouse, their kids don't really care about the money. They want to spend time with them. They want them in their life. And, you know, Going through a lot of this stuff that Mike is is talking about is going to start to help you to realize what's actually important, right? Like what actually matters to you. And it's not to say that you can't make money. It's not to say that work shouldn't be important to you or anything like that. That's not what we're saying. But it's a matter of it's going to help you to find that balance to actually help you start to show up as a better version of you so that your family, the people who depend on you, the people that you're providing for can also show up as them best, as their best selves, right? Yeah, that's that's really well said. And I, I'm almost cautious to say anything more because I think you, you nailed it. You nailed it right there. It's it's about being the best version of, of yourself and sort of showing up in ways that I think supports and augments, you know, the the good around us and the good that we, we want to be. And that's, Again, I think it's I think it's incredibly challenging work, and I, I want to sort of acknowledge and own that because I think as men, you know, we're not always the most sort of self reflective or inward looking or or whatever. But the the more that we can sort of just see 
the bigger sort of holistic patterns and sort of interconnectivity of some of these different pieces and the broader context of how these inform how we show up as a father and how we're sort of helping, you know, helping be a better spouse, how we're helping our communities, how we're helping lead, how we're doing all those different things, you know, then we start to kind of see just how critical and, and important they are. And, you know, I, I, you could, you could tell anybody or I can tell anybody, like if you're not doing the things to level yourself up, you know, you're, you're, you're not just stopping yourself, but you're actually stagnating the growth of other people around you. Right. And, and the people that really sort of depend on you or that spend a lot of time with you, if you're not being your best self or the sort of best version of what, or whatever it is, then there's a, there's a real sort of trickle down of how that's helping them sort of show up in, in their lives. Right. So I, I hope this has been helpful. I'm, I'm more than happy to talk to anybody about any of these topics because I think as somebody that's sort of gone through and gone through the journey themselves and, and has sort of had to recalibrate and really refine what what brings joy and where can I add value and all those different types of things. I'm I'm hoping it's I can I can really help serve other people with that as well. Yeah. Yeah, we, we didn't get a chance to really touch on it much and we're we're kind of like hitting up on time here, but you know, I would just kind of share with people, you know, in our previous conversation, you you told me that this course for you actually came about because, you know, like most of us, 2020, your life was in turmoil, right? Both because what was going on in the world and a lot of things that you had going on personally. And this really came about as something that you had to do to help you get right. Like, right. You had to find what was important to you. You had to figure out how to become your best self. And, and now you, you know, similar to my story, now have this passion where like you've seen the changes this made for you and you want to share that with other people. You want to give other people those tools. Yeah, no, it's exactly right. I mean, I think just sort of cover it briefly, but I think, yeah, March of 2020, just like everybody, right. You know, I, I was in this, you know, I think, I think a big job where I had a lot of people at every level of organization relying on me to sort of do, to do more. And, um, you know, I'm trapped inside a house for one year plus with two small kids and working insane amounts of time. My wife's also sort of working and serving. And just like we talked about before with, with regards to that sort of broader diagnostic, I saw things just not working the way I wanted to, right? Like my marriage was strained. My relationship with my kids was strained. People at work are, are sort of, are feeling sort of strained and I'm doing all these different things and, and trying to sort of like hold up everybody as best I can. And I think I did a really good job all things considered but internally i was struggling right and compounded over time by the time we actually got our kids into daycare which was a year plus later so it was 13 months of all of us being in a really sort of confined space uh and all these sort of crazy trust stresses and triggers and things that are sort of happening i just noticed all of the things about myself were like were kind of deteriorated and I, and I felt like there was this shrinking part of me about the things that I loved and all that, like that little, there was still a light there, but man, was it dim, right? It just wasn't, I just wasn't as happy. And, you know, it wasn't until I went out, I, I had a trip with friends to, to Colorado in May and it really just sort of reignited like of the things that I sort of loved. And, and that was like, that was so much later. And I, and I, I, started out of a sort of path of creating something that, that I, I hope will sort of bring, bring a lot of value to, to people. But I, yeah, I, I think everybody's sort of probably gone through their own versions of that. And as somebody that sort of like come out the other side of it and has been able to sort of recalibrate and find so much, you know, keep, keep moving, keep going. And I would, I would love to help and work with you to just help, help you connect to that thing that is bigger than you, that gives you purpose. And really find what that is. As simple as it sounds, like I find that like a having a a simple mission vision, just a, a two sentence personal mission statement, helps so much in terms of sort of seeing bigger picture, contextualizing problems, working through challenges, and and using it as a filter to decide is this something that I want to do or not. So it's been a it's been a real sort of big big thing for me, and and want to help more people find. Awesome. I love it, man. So again, I want to thank Mike for, for coming on today, sharing so many insights, so much wisdom with us. Appreciate it. In the show notes, there will be two links 
One is to a free guide that Mike has for you. And then the other one is going to be to his course. So definitely encourage you guys to check that out, especially if you feel like there's just something missing. It's like something doesn't quite feel right, but you can't figure out what it is. This is going to be a great course for you to help start taking those steps to figure out what that is and to correct it. But as always, guys, I want to remind you that none of us are born unshakable, but we can all become unshakable. Thank you for listening to the Unshakable Habits Podcast with Coach Stephen Box. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and help us spread the word by sharing the podcast with other men. If you're ready to create unshakable habits, you can learn more and connect with us at unshakablehabits.com.